That's not a good singing voice. That's not how people are supposed to sing, but this is Radio Radar. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Games Radar Plus's podcast. It's Monday evening for you, but it's Friday afternoon for us, and we're talking to you from the past. <laughs> My name is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor. I am joined by Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. <laughs> you did it again! <laughs> Staff Roberts, I, That had to be intentional, intentional because we, we brought that's, it up. Yeah, that's intentional. His new title, Susan, his official title is Staff Roberts now. Hello. I need a catchphrase. I'll think of one. What a do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe... Dave, maybe you could do it like like you're a Pokemon, so like the Staff Roberts can only be like Roberts, Roberts, Roberts Staff, 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 Staff Roberts, Faber, Roberts Staff, Staff Roberts. <laughs> I always think about like you know, there's an entire episode of the Pokemon cartoon about how Meowth yes. learns how to speak English. Yes, and it's amazing. Yeah. like it's 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 this Charles Dickensian like nightmare rags to riches. Story. I need to look that up. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it's that's why he he can't fight is because he used up all his power. Yeah, uh, learning how to talk. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, that other voice who has a, a an ocean of compassion for the meowths of the world is executive editor Susan Art. Radio free radar. Radio. See, that's topical. <laughs> that is topical. That is that is a relevant reference. To the things that the kids know about. We need we need radio radar t-shirts that just say topical. Topical. <laughs> All of the I would love that. <laughs> I so San Diego Comic-Con is happening as we speak, and probably when you're listening to this, you will be, you know, looking through what I would imagine is the 95th cosplay roundup that you've seen on Twitter. And whenever I see people doing cosplay, I, I I always wonder like what is the the meeting place of topicality and personal passion, because there is like the performative aspect of cosplay. Sure, like, you're going to this place to be seen. Yes, and so you you're you're sitting there weighing how awesome do I make my costume, but also what's going to excite people the most. So, like, in my head, I think to myself, if I were a cosplayer, I would want to show up at Comic-Con dressed like Dave Foley from News Radio. <laughs> oh my God. That's not a costume. Sure. That's just you, like, not shampooing for a week and throwing on a suit that's a size too big. Right. And that, and it, like, and I think to myself, does that, like, adhere to the to the cosplayer ethos, it, it, am I doing it right? Here's, <laughs> I, I firmly believe because I I, I do not uh, cosplay myself because I have no sewing ability whatsoever, and I think it's cheating if you buy your outfit. That's just me. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 all about the the passion and and the detail and the effort. They don't care when it's from. You don't topicality doesn't matter. What excites people is the craft. Oh, all right. Yes. All right. Uh, I, Susan, have I explained to you that at one point in my life I did cosplay, but it was before cosplay was a, a Western phenomenon? <sighs> I'm not, I'm, this isn't like I'm doing a hipster thing where no, I'm saying no, like, it's I did just... it before it was cool. Yeah. Like, this was sad. Yeah. This was a, a grim, this was, okay, Halloween, Halloween of 1997, 
I decided that I was going to be Vincent Valentine. And if you want to talk about, like, shitty DIY costume making. Like, I was literally just wearing black dress pants, a black turtleneck, wingtips, a Freddy Krueger glove that I spray-painted gold. Which was really dumb because it was like a collector's item. Oh from my god! Oh, oh, like it oh. was like the kind that they used to sell at Spencer's in 1989, <sighs> and I just ruined it. There's so and, much wrong with everything you're saying, man. So you really and, 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 you, you weren't cosplaying as Vincent. You were cosplaying no way. as a guy who went to a KMFDM concert. <laughs> well, here's here's the final element: is I literally just went to the Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Uh, and I was 15. I didn't know the Hobby Lobby were, were, were rampant discriminatory jerks at the time. So I was patronizing them. And I just bought, like, 10 feet of, like, shitty maroon yep. velour. Oh, velour. Nice. And just tore it to shit. Like, just, like, I straight up, like, Susie and the Banshees did. Like, tore it apart, made the cape made the scarf, made the headband, and just connected it with safety pins. Wow. wow. <laughs> right. Wow. It okay, was well, a mess. Safety pins it are w- a step, step above duct tape, at least. Is it, yeah, there was no duct tape. It was just safety pins. And I thought this was the coolest goddamn thing I, I own. Wait, 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 wait. What year was this? This was 1997. Oh, God. So I was 15. Okay, so 15. All right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Dateline, 1997. Jamiroquai is owning the airwaves. <laughs> uh, everybody was suffering from virtual insanity. Stop it. And Just we're keep... listening to the prodigies fat of the land. Oh, it was very my depressing. God. It's a dark time only... for pop culture. It was a dark time. Not only did I make this costume and wear it for Halloween, I wore it two more times. In public, I went. Okay, but <laughs> like, like a month later, like not even my for... friends, like not even like a costume party. I wore it two more times in public. My friends and I. All right, so the latter one is just kind of hilarious because we got drunk and went to the Syracuse Jazz Fest. So there were like all of these middle-aged upstate New York people wandering around <laughs> at a Ray Charles show, and then there's like a kid wearing like what is essentially maroon velour rags safety pinned together. But the, oh my god! The other time is way better because we went to opening night for Mortal Kombat Annihilation in the movie theater, and there were like maybe five people total in the theater. Oh god! So it's like like me and my two friends, one of whom has decided to dress like Setzer from Final Fantasy VI, so I wasn't alone oh my in this. God. And, like, other actual, like, college-age kids who saw us and were like, what is happening? <laughs> okay. And the thing is, if I had just waited 20 years, you it would have been fine. No, it wouldn't. No, <laughs> no. it still... No. It still wouldn't. Here's the thing, though. I, I, don't, I don't get to judge because I was a teenager in the late 80s when... Oh where it went uh, adamant was huge and so wearing face paint and like an admiral coat and band-aids like like yeah like that that was that was tuesday that was exactly (laughs) exactly that's what i'm saying like i don't get to judge because that's that was how i was rolling when i was 15 so 
I don't get wow. I don't get to talk about your maroon shredded velour because I that I had a bowler hat because of of unbearable lightness of being came out and that was a thing. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my god! Yeah, I, I can't even. Oh god! I just. Up the... <sighs> anyway, yeah. Was, so I don't I was, judge. I was speed racer one year. Oh, that's awesome! Speed racer's great. That's legitimately yeah, great. We, we made that's this legitimately shirt. great. I wanted an excuse to wear an ascot, and that was the best one. So. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good I one. I mean, anyway. <laughs> so this past week, this past week, not this was not nearly the excitement week in video game town that last week was. Last week was bananas because there was there Pokemon Go happened last week. I know that seems like a million years ago to everybody. But Pokemon Go was last week, and and the world went banana pants. Somebody caught them. All. Somebody somebody has them all. Somebody has them all, and it took him 153 kilometers to do it. Yeah, which is awesome. Like I, I love that somebody's like, yeah, yeah. I went out there and I walked like over 70 miles, and I got all of the mons. But here's what I want to know. I want to know if they're all catchable or if some are only hatchable. Ooh, good question. It's well, it's like we actually have a feature on the site right now. Because we talked about this in the last episode, that there are all these different things that Pokemon Go doesn't tell you that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, which is most of them, honestly. Which I is mean... almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's a spe- I don't think it's clear. I don't think we even know if he caught them all, right? Or if he hatched some of them. I don't. I don't think. That's oh, information I'm. I'm, I'm certain he hatched some. I'm absolutely because eggs aren't hard to come by. Like you go to a Poke mm-hmm. stop, you're getting eggs that's just yeah so i'm i'm certain he uh hatched some of them and i I, i've hatched i've only hatched uh a couple mouths so far a few mouths yeah a few mouths mouth uh but i I have mouth is popular this episode i I have a thing for mouth uh and uh and i have a 10k egg that i'm about to hatch so that'll probably be something good that's badass. So, that's badass. So does the does the like the the pedometer or whatever for the walking on that does that only work when you have the app open? Correct. That's gar. Oof. That's garbage. It's a, it's unfortunate. That's a bunch of <laughs> that's a bunch of hot garbage. Because like I'm not if I'm walking somewhere like with intent. Yeah. I'm not gonna have this app open the entire time. One because I don't want to walk into people, and two because that app drains your battery like. Like nothing. Oh, else. like crazy. Well, you don't have to be looking at it. Like when I, I I have it open when I walk the dogs, I just open it and stick it in my pocket. Okay. So it's it's running, but I'm not looking at it. Right. The battery thing is an issue. You can put it in battery saving mode, but let's just put the air quotes on saving. <laughs> Frankly, uh, it's air quote. It's it's battery saving mode, and I found now this was this was a couple updates ago. Uh, so what happens in battery saving mode is when you when you turn your phone upside down. As though, like, if you have it in your hand and then you put your hand down at your side like you're walking, mm. uh, it, the screen goes black to save oh. your battery. But I found that when coming out of that, it would make the game freeze a lot. Awesome. Oh. Yeah. That's not good. That was my experience. Maybe that's been fixed since. I don't it, know. Is the battery saving mode better than it was with Mitomo? Oh, because Jesus. Battery, battery saving mode in Mitomo was basically like, so your battery will only last for 30 seconds. <laughs> now it will last for 33.2 seconds. Um, the best thing you could do to save battery uh, in Mitomo was just delete it because, yeah. honestly, it's a piece of shit app. Yeah. And it's completely, 
it's boring and uh you know you once you got once you got the little cat on your back item there was no point you're in having good. that anymore you're you're done you're done you're, it's over but we're not talking about pokemon go this we're week. not yeah we're not talking pokemon damn it uh no okay so the the one thing that happened this week that i i'm okay i'm not the only person that's excited about this because a lot of people on Games Radar's Facebook page and Twitter page were actually like, yes, awesome. I'm so excited that this is happening. And I was like, oh, wow, there are 10 people in the world that are really <laughs> excited about this. But Gravity Rush 2 for PlayStation 4, the least likely PlayStation 4 game of all time, is coming out on December 2nd. And I am freaking pumped about it because this game looks like raw magic. It, it is. I played it for a little bit at E3. I was delighted by it. It is. It is a physical substantiation of everything that you thought the original Gravity Rush was like could be on the original PS Vita. It's a beautiful game. It is. It's an amazing game on Vita. But you always had this sense that, you know, the the place could be bigger. It's a little it empty. Could, it's a little empty, which added to the sort of like dreamish quality that the entire game had, but you did get the sense that this is supposed to be a more populous, bustling world. And Gravity Rush 2 on PlayStation 4 is that. You know, the, the demo they had at E3, you were running through a crowded marketplace, and there were just people everywhere, and when you activate Cat, the lead character's anti-gravity field, and everything around her gets picked up, and this, this was the case in the Vita version, now, if you're in a crowded marketplace and you're, you know, surrounded by market stalls with fruit and vegetables and fish and people shopping, there's just this cloud of humanity and, <laughs> and fish and boxes and fruits in midair crashing all over the place. It's, it's beautiful and wild, and I, I'm, I could not be more excited about it. And after they announced that this was actually coming out in December of this year... Uh, because they, they were claiming it was going to be a 2016 game, and I thought, no, not <laughs> no, no, no way. It's not. No, okay, first of all, when was the last time Sony released two first-party exclusives in the holiday season? When was the last time that actually happened? I don't know. Yeah, like a billion years ago? <laughs> like, was it 2009? Maybe. But we were, to have, they were like, Last Guardian's coming out in November. No freaking way is anything else coming out. But lo and behold... Uh, so this inspired a short discussion between the three of us, where we were trying to figure out how to package a, a way for Games Radar's readers to talk about things that they are really excited for, things that they are maybe cautiously excited for, and things that they are tired of hearing about. Mm. And, we, and we called it hype, not hype, maybe hype. Uh, and... I, I am very curious to hear what you guys say. We posed this question to our readership, and some people got back to us. Uh, Stephen Brown wrote in and said, I am definitively hyped for Deus Ex. Mm. I am maybe hyped for Final Fantasy XV, and not hyped for No Man's Sky, oh. which surprised me. It, it, I was very, very surprised that that was the case, because it, it seemed... As recently as all of the death threats on Reddit <laughs> towards Hello Games, that people were a little excited about it. Just a bit, a wee bit. Just 
ever so slightly. Dave, somebody wrote into you with their picks. Oh no, it was the same guy. Oh, it was the same guy. That was the same. It was the same guy. And literally, one person just wrote back. Uh, Pokemon Go for all three. <laughs> That's fair. Fair. Which I think is a bold choice. Susan, what are your picks? What are you hyped about? What are you not hyped about? What is a maybe hype for you? Okay. Uh, uh, so hype. Do, do I have to pick something from this year, or can I go next year? You can absolutely go next year. Okay. Time is our playground. Okay. So, for so hype, Persona 5. Oh, Which, yeah, which I, saw, I, I saw at E3. <clears throat> And it, uh, it is as dramatic and incredible an improvement over 4 as 4 was over 3. Why do you say that? Because the, visually, the style is freaking amazing. I mean, it's... So it's, cool. Oh, God. It, it's, it's... Style for Miles is, is what I keep saying about this game. Um, it's a lot deeper... Uh, it's like gameplay wise, it's a lot deeper. There's a lot more going on. It's just a, a bigger, richer game. Uh, it's kind of the difference between navigating via menus and walking around a living, breathing world. It's just, it's everything you, that it, it's, they've learned so much about how to do Persona right. Hmm. Like every iteration of Persona and even the spinoffs. Like, like Dancing All Night and Persona Q. Uh, they've learned more about what makes these games good. And that's mm. all been distilled into its finest, like, most concentrated form in Persona 5. And I'm, I'm, I'm so hype. I'm yeah. so <laughs> I follow a bunch of uh, indie developers and stuff on Twitter, and some of them were saying, like, like, yeah, you know, you think you're doing really good with making your user interface and stuff, and then you watch the Persona 5 trailer, and it's just like, crumpled paper, crumpled paper, throw in the trash. Just, like, like how they're able to put so much life into something as simple as a menu screen. Yeah, exactly. Does anybody else do UI with the same level of detail and animation and, and like, actual usability? That the Persona team does. Does anyone else even attempt that? Prob- I don't think so. I don't think if, so, no. Yeah. If they do, I'm not familiar with it, you know? It's like the, 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 the menu from Tokyo Mirage Sessions, you pause it, and then, like, as you get more characters on your uh, in your party, yeah. they add to, like, they're just laying down in this grassy field, and the menu's at the center of, like, where all their hands are, and they're just in the circle mm. around it, and the more people you get, the more people show up in this field, like... Who does that? Yeah, yeah. Like, who even thinks, to, like, who spends resources of any kind, be it time, be it money, be it brain power, on that? You know, yeah. like, they're like, I don't know, we gotta make the game, we gotta make uh, more realistic water, we gotta, uh, like, no, we want your entire experience, every single part of your experience. Because here's the thing you spend a lot of freaking time looking at the UI. Mm hmm. Ten, dozens of hours. Yeah. Dozens of hours. So it may as well be awesome. <laughs> it's funny. The only thing I can think that's even remotely comparable is uh, Masuhiro Sakurai's games like Kid Icarus Uprising yeah. and Super Smash, Smash Brothers, Brothers mm-hmm. After All mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Wii U. But those menus are like mazes. You're, you're like, oh, well, let's see. I want to do a regular fight. 
oh, that just opened up five more menus. <laughs> and wait a second, there's a hidden single-player campaign? There's a casino mode in here. <laughs> I've been playing this for 16 years. Uh, Susan, what is maybe hype? Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna break out from games, and I'm going to go into the realm of entertainment, which we also cover on Games Radar, uh, and go with Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. okay. All right, maybe. Maybe, hype. maybe, because here's the thing. Uh, Margot Robbie is what makes me want to see that movie. Well, also just the basic, the core concept, because I think that's, I, I love the, the, the characters the and idea. the idea. And, and you the love Slipknot? I, His I'm superpower big, of ropes? Big, big fan of Slipknot. But I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it could be a very fun kind of refresher to the, the glut of superhero movies. Which uh, DC sorely needs right now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Batman vs. Superman is the feel-good movie of the I'm year. I'm watching that this evening, so I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to how much I'll hate it. Uh, but no, Margot Robbie, is, 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 she's magnetic. Like, you can't take your eyes off her on the screen. And Harley Quinn is one of my favorite characters, so I'm really mm. intrigued to see her portrayal of her. However... Then you get to Jared Leto as the Joker. Mm. And as, yeah. as much as Margot Robbie is pulling me in, he is pushing me out. Because, <laughs> A, I, you know, about his off-screen stuff, his method acting, like trolling his co-stars, I'm not cool with that. No, uh, it's lame. It's gross. And I yeah. don't, I do not like what I have seen of his portrayal of the character at all. Yeah. Like, uh. yeah, okay, the Joker is supposed to be crazy and violent but he's also supposed to be kind of appealing and brilliant and brilliant and getting that from him no, so no. Have, have, susan have you ever seen the there, there is a a youtube channel called film cow okay <laughs> and film cow makes these very absurdist strange little animated shorts okay and when they first revealed Jared Leto's Joker, they did a short that was Jared Leto's Joker at a tattoo parlor <laughs> going through all the different things that he wants. I, I, yes, I did see that. And my favorite part, and like this is the impression that I get from Jared Leto. Like, they were making a joke, but I'm like, this is actually what this character is coming off as yeah. on screen. When he's just like, I want people to know I'm all messed up, you know? My mom is gonna freak when she sees me. <laughs> I wonder if he leans real well. Again, no. So I, I, I think I, I know I told you this, Anthony, but my wife actually came up because she, like she's a real big fan of my so-called life, and Jared Leto is uh, uh, Jordan Catalano in that movie. He's like kind of the the heartthrob, and my wife came up with an entire plot that linked the end of season, the only season of uh, my so-called life, for Jordan Catalano to be to become the, the Joker. Joker. Uh, just basically, like, the, like, uh, Jordan ends up killing, um, what's-her-face's, uh, Claire Danes' dad, and then, like, that's how he becomes the Joker, but, like, she doesn't realize that, that he is the Joker, and, like, he starts terrorizing this whole, like, group of friends, and, like, um, yeah, no, it's great. I'll ha I have to so get her that, to write it down, because it's, it's... Does, <laughs> Dave, does that mean... That Suicide Squad is canonical with Homeland. Oh because my! Oh God! Because so she, <laughs> right, she finds out he's the Joker and then decides to 
fight terrorists because yes, <laughs> and then gets taken in by one again. Yes, <laughs> again. Yes. Doesn't Claire? Is that like that? Is that Homeland's thing? Is that Claire Danes hooks up with a different terrorist every season? I don't. I bailed, man. I bailed on. And Mandy, I bailed too. The, I bailed after like the first episode of season two. I was like, I can't look at Mandy Patinkin's beard anymore. Well, the thing is, Mandy the first the first season is amazing, but the problem is, okay, this is spoilers for Homeland, so if you don't want to know, like skip ahead a little bit, okay. Uh, he was supposed to die. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he was. He was supposed to blow himself up. He was supposed to. So die. that's why yeah. that ending seems so dumb and bizarre. Yep. Yeah, he he oh. he was supposed to die. So uh, then they're like, well, sh- well, well, shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> how do we how do we retcon the fuck out of this? Uh, yeah. So that's why season two sucked. Oh man, that's ugh. ugh. That, oh, okay. that sounds okay. like some lost shit going yeah, on. Yeah. That is some lost. That is some lost. And I'm a lost <laughs> apologist, but, like, I still recognize that, like, yeah, that show went off the rails. It was all the dog's dream. Uh, yeah, that well, was the know, entire show. What? The, 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 the no, entire yeah, show no. was the, the Spanish comic book <laughs> that Hurley finds. <laughs> no! <laughs> okay. All right, here's, Susan, what Wait, is here's not what's sad. Hard. I can't tell if you're punking me right now. Uh, no, yeah, no, we're we're definitely being ridiculous. the whole the whole show was the lead into Prometheus and Damon Lindelof continues to no. answer questions. No. Uh, why do people let Damon Lindelof write? I those? don't know. Well, but you I, know what? Because he is actually very talented. He's yeah. really well. He's incredibly yeah. talented, but he doesn't know how to write no. an ending. <laughs> no. And like, I, I do feel that there is value in in not having all the answers. I don't. Sure. No. But... Stop it. No, I'm an American. I want clear, <laughs> definitive endings. Yeah, but you love Silent Hill. Yeah, that's true, I do. Yeah, like, si- Silent Hill is is the epitome of the let's leave a lot of this unexplained to, to make it richer for your imagination. And David Lindelhoff's like, what if we start there? Yeah. And then, we, and then we'll just pile on a metric ton of actual complex lore details yeah. that yeah. means nothing. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. It's like it's it starts with the Silent Hill. It goes into the okay. So here's a bunch of stuff. Let's explain half of it. Yeah. But only the stuff that like doesn't actually matter to you. Right. It becomes Matrix Revolution. But then he goes Silent Hill, then Matrix Revolution. And then people at the end are like, "But they didn't explain the polar bears." And it's like, "No, they totally did. You just missed it." And it was dumb. And it was dumb. <laughs> and it was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. Wait, isn't the whole it? Time. Wait, wasn't the polar bears the kid manifested them? No, no the polar bears were, were part of the, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were keeping animals. The Dharma okay. Initiative. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Susan, not hype. okay. This this one's going to get me a lot. Please do not send me email about this. Don't don't email Just into the show. Don't. <laughs> the Last Guardian. Oh. <gasps> I'm drafting my email right now. I just, I completely understand why other people are hyped for this. I think it is certainly a beautiful looking game. I hate Eco. Oh. I was just going to say, you don't like his games. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I think they're stunning. And I yeah. think they're genuine works of art, and I get why people love them. I really do. Yeah. But I freaking hate Eco, and I won't play uh, Shadow of the Colossus because 
I'm not really down with slaughtering creatures for selfish means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's not something that, like, gameplay-wise, like, it's, it's wonderful. But I, I could never get on board with that particular motivation. Don't look. I can, I can, see, <laughs> I can, I can hear you arguing you with typing. me about, like, just don't, okay? No, I, I, res- I, no, I'm talking to, to the listeners. I respect <laughs> that you love these games. I do. Don't try to convince me I'm wrong. <laughs> just stop it. The tweet storm is coming. Exactly. Susan. Yeah. Susan, I, I'm curious if you agree with this. I, I love Eco. Okay. And I love Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. And I've been... Very excited about The Last Guardian since the official trailer came out in 2009. <laughs> 2000 freaking nine. When you were dressing up as Vincent Valentine. When I was dressing up like Vincent Valentine and going to the movies. Uh, when I went to go to the midnight launch of Uncharted 2 <laughs> as a 27-year-old man. Uh, no. I, I, I love those games. I love Fumito Ueda's work. Yep. I also think that he makes intensely male games these are Hmm. dude games Hmm. uh and i i i think that some people might you know object to that sort of classification i'm not saying that they're not also ephemeral and soulful Mm -hmm, and wonderful mm -hmm. things can be more than one thing everybody but i also think that ueda's games are very very uh sort of ensconced in a dude fantasy mm. yeah eco eco is very very informed by being a boy yeah by being a lost boy in a place meeting a girl shadow of the colossus is very much about being a young man who is trying to bring back his wife mm. like it, it, it's very informed by this sort of dude experience and i i was wondering if like if that's part of why his games turn you off i don't think so um, although you raise a very interesting point because it's uh, normally when we say, uh, that games are kind of tuned to the male ethos, we're talking about the, the typical American sort of power mm. fantasy of being, you know, huge and muscular and lots of guns and rah, rah, rah. Whereas this is, uh, I, I think what you're saying, and I'd never thought about it before, but I think you're right. It's very much tied to the gentler side of being the hero oh absolutely yeah um and and that sort of you know the saving the princess kind of thing so it, it's it's male but not macho right yeah um no and i don't that's that's not what really turned me off uh although yorda i would have pushed her off a ledge i'm telling you that right now <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Stop playing with the birds, goddammit! Isn't isn't there a way to actually unlock English subtitles for her in the game? On the PS3 version. You can actually see what she's saying? Yeah, because in uh, in the American version of the PS2 game, I don't think that you could, but you could in the European version. And I think oh, that no, she's talking like Star Wars language yeah. in the subtitles in the in the PS2 version. I and that's the thing. It's honestly, it's aesthetics like that that I I can't sit. I cannot listen to that girl <laughs> for ten or fifteen hours. I can't. It. it oh my god! Stop it. <laughs> Susan, you actually played the Last Guardian, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I have not touched that game. I've been sort of intentionally staying away from it. Did it feel good, at least? Um, 
It didn't feel bad. None of none of his games feel especially great. Yeah, yeah it, I always, yeah. I always feel like the control your like the controls are straining against the limits of the. Game. I I would definitely say that is accurate. They, hmm. they have they've always had that like weird old timey Prince of Persia style, where yeah. there's like a little delay b- between you yeah, pressing they're, the button. They're they're a little mushy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, I see. I consider bad control to be broken. Yeah. Uh, and right. it's not broken. Um. Like okay. But awkward. Yeah. Awkward. Or, you know, like yeah. how in Little Big Planet, like Sackboy is floaty. I always feel like like the controls in Little Big Planet is like Media Molecules like come along with us to this wonderful whimsical land. First, we're going to fill you with Novocaine. <laughs> How much Novocaine can you handle? Can you still feel your hands? If not, now you can play. <laughs> not inaccurate. <laughs> but uh yeah, so it's that kind of it's not broken. But it's not exactly mm. laser focused either. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Dave, hype. Okay. So, like, I mean, Persona Five's a given, but I'm I'm gonna stick to 2016 releases just for the sake of not reiterating the obvious. Um. So, hype for me, the game that I'm looking most forward to this year is Final Fantasy Fifteen. Mm-hmm. And uh. I'll tell you why. Like, I've had some kind of bad experiences with Square Enix games over the last month or two. Yes, you have. Uh... <laughs> we gotta get you into, like, RPG rehab or something, man. <laughs> like, no, too it's, far. It's, uh, no, like, I've got Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It's fine. Like, it's not... It'll be fine. Cosmic Star Heroine comes out sometime this summer. We'll be good. Uh, but yeah, so, like, that. that is very much Square, like... Star Ocean is is a return to a style of game that they haven't made in a while, and eh. <laughs> I am Setsumina <laughs> is is them returning to a style of game that they haven't made in a really long while, and it's eh. like it's like there is something there, but it needs more. Um, whereas Final Fantasy fifteen is them kind like there's nothing to to compare it to. I mean, like, you, you could probably compare it to Final Fantasy thirteen just because it was born out of that 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 fabulous or 12. Nova Crystallis thing. Uh, yeah, or 12, where it's, like, more open, that sort of thing. But, like, the combat is totally different. Uh, the kind of story that it's trying to tell is totally different. Um, like, mm-hmm. it's recapturing that, like, that feeling that you would get with every single Final Fantasy, where it was like, I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm getting into on this one. Other than the fact that it's Final Fantasy, it's going to be freaking awesome, and it's going to have there's going to be a guy with the big sword, and then lasers come down, and like that, and you know that 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 to me is kind of like there's this sense of wonder that I feel with Final Fantasy that I haven't felt with Square Enix in a long time, Mm. and like even my thing with Final Fantasy 15 is that I don't care if it's bad exactly i just don't want it to be boring because oh, I wait, don't think yeah i yeah. think you're safe i don't think you're going to be worried pretty about sure that. 
So, like, even if, like, I keep saying, like, even if it's a hot mess, like, I'm going to love it because it's going to be the hottest mess because it's been a development in some form for, like, ten years now. And... Even when he makes games that are awful, like The Third Birthday, Hajime Tabata directs games that are fascinating. Yes. (laughs) Like, Typo is, is, is... Flawed and weird and really cool, but also kind of terrible in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, and I like I don't know I I love seeing that side of Square, the side of Square that's like not afraid to just say screw it and take all of the risks, like like with the you know it's a game about a bunch of dudes driving a convertible that also flies. Because they're driving because a of Lexus. course it does. They're driving. They're driving a ridiculous fantasy Lexus. Fantasy Lexus on freeways. There are gas stations on the side of the road, but on the other side of the road, there's a giant monster just chilling in a lake that you yeah. can fight. Um, just <laughs> it. They go camping. Yeah, like real people go camping. They go camping, but in they're wearing tents. leathers. They're wearing their leathers in the middle of an open field. Like, they're going like to shoot an NSYNC video in 2001. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I I want that square back. I want that square that is just, like, we're getting weird, guys. Mm. And we're going to have fun with it. And, and not in that Kingdom Hearts way. Not in that Kingdom Hearts way, no. Because, like, Kingdom Hearts is just so far up its own lore asshole <laughs> that, like, any enjoyment that I derive from it is unintentional comedy from it um whereas like this it's it's able to stand alone and like from what what you've been saying like the japanese reception of the the movie that they're making kingsclave has been really good kingsclave is being very very well received so i'm hoping like that's going to be cool um and they're releasing all these other all this other stuff around it like the there's going to be like a mobile pinball game that's also in the game um yeah no just like it, it's weird and i love it and i want i want I want it. So it, what's what's maybe hype? Maybe hype for me is No Man's Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Like no I. No Man's Sky. Here's okay. So here's. Well, you know what you go, and then I'll see if you're gonna say okay. what I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, like like No Man's Sky speaks to me aesthetically. Like mm. I dig that that '70s like Yes album vibe, <laughs> uh, where it's like lots of lots of pastel blues and pinks and like space aliens and angular ships and like like something that's ripped off the cover of an old Isaac Asimov paperback. Uh, like that stuff's awesome and I love it and I love the idea of them building this this universe, this tiny team that made Joe Danger of all games, a side-scrolling motorcycle game, is making this big expansive universe that you can just dink around in. And like yeah, there's there there is a goal, but you know, you don't necessarily have to pursue it. You could just trade, you could do whatever. And I love playing those games. Like back on uh back when I was a kid, uh at school there there's this game on the Mac called uh, Escape Velocity mm. where it was basically just like an open ended space sim. You would have a ship and you'd go around and you'd upgrade your ship and you'd trade with people and you would fight people and it was just this really simple, like top down two D thing. And, like, I spent hours playing that game. And this is going to be, like, this is kind of, like, that sort of thing, but with the sweet-looking sci-fi graphics. 
But on the other hand, part of me wonders if it's just like all hype and it's just going to be like another one of those early access like crafting games. Is it yeah, is it going to be the long dark but with a spaceship? Yeah, and not an early access. Right. And that's the Susan, part that worries me. What what's your what's your take on No Man's Sky? Have you played this? I have not. Yeah. I have not. Uh completely agree about the aesthetics. Love that. It's it's just so fantastical. Right? Like it's this vision of space that is lovely. You know, it's 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 the fantasy of space exploration. Love that. Awesome. My problem is, you know, how many times am I going to run into planet penis? <laughs> or or the giant weed monster or, you know, the real sticky bug. Hey, this this planet was named by Bonelord420. Oh, God, right. I can't wait to, like, land your ship and you're like, look at this gorgeous alien world. I can't imagine. And then a brontosaurus comes lumbering up and it might as well be like, Exactly. That's... I mean that's 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 where I come down on it. So that's why I'm yeah. I am also maybe. Yeah, yeah. I I, I you know I, I want to get to Dave's not hype at all, but it is all, No Man's Sky is my maybe hype. I don't I don't know what that game is. You can release as many videos as you yeah. like. Be like, here's what it's like to hold a gun and shoot an alien. Here's what it's like to go up to another alien and trade for parts to upgrade your ship. And at the end of every single time, every single one, I'm like. Why? You didn't tell me why. <laughs> you you told me who, what, when, and where, and you've never told me why any of these things are happening. It's to, it's to name aliens after genitals. Like that's yeah. Like if that's it, if it's just for the thrill of the exploration, that exploration is going to have to feel so mm. good repeatedly. Like it, it, and not just like not just that discovery moment of being like, oh, there's Bong Lord's, uh, you know, dinosaur on planet smokeweed every day. Like <laughs> it, it, it's going, it, it literally like the controls are going to have to feel better than anything else. Like it's going to have to feel silken and lovely to control that spaceship, and I just don't know if that's gonna be the case. My, I, I'm fascinated. My by hope it. for the game. Is that, like, they've always talked about, like, the goal is to reach the center of the universe, right? And, like, sure. you don't know why, but, like, that's where you're headed. And my only hope is that the game somehow gets weirder the closer you get. <laughs> so you get to the center of the universe, and then you hear William Shatner say, No, it's the... Why would God need a starship? It's, uh, it's the... No, it's, uh, Peter Molyneux saying you've unlocked the, the mystery of curiosity. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> you are now uh, the god of goddess, which is totally a get. No, uh, no, I, like I just like the concept of like reality sort of breaking down the closer you get. You know, like I, I think like that would be an interesting route to go if that's what they decide to do. Uh, because they've talked about how like the center of the universe is going to be this like really mysterious thing, and like well, why? And I'm hoping mm. that that's enough of a carrot that there's enough mm. like little clues and stuff that you'll find as you play it. That so what is that not search. hype? Uh, for me, not hype is uh, 
Get out your air horns, boys. It's uh, Watch Dogs 2. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's a game that's coming out this year. Uh, I would take a million Assassin's Creed games over another Watch Dogs game. Really? Yeah. Yeesh. I like I don't know there's like something about Assassin's Creed and just like the historical fiction of it is it's it's something that doesn't get we don't see that a lot in like an action or like action adventure setting. That is true. And I dig that a lot. And like the idea of dinking around a modern day town and hacking stuff is cool, but it the way that Watch Dogs does it is like the most ham-fisted out of touch. Oh, lols, the kids are hackers. We're gonna... Why would you wear a hat that has the name of your illegal hacker organization on it? Why would you do that? That makes no sense. And, like, that that in one moment is the encapsulation of everything that I dislike about Watch Dogs. It's just so tonally disconnected to both the real world... And its own world. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. It, I, it doesn't seem like it has any sense of humor about itself. No, and... At all. And, like, the... the it seems like Watch Dogs 2 is trying to lean into that a little more, but I, f- I think that it's gonna do it in the wrong way. Hmm. Like, it's gonna do it with, like... Like, oh, you know, Anonymous, or they're a bunch of trolls, and or DeadSec in this case. They're a bunch of trolls, and they hack a billboard, and it's got, like, a, a rad-looking skeleton on it, making peace signs. Right. Ha! Uh, <laughs> also, San Francisco is a city filled with, like, loads of discrimination, uh, you know, disparity between uh, wealth classes, uh, the the convergence of like this high profile tech world and rampant uh, you know vagrancy poverty. And, and poverty yeah. and like homelessness and I don't think Watch Dogs two is get like Watch Dogs one certainly didn't handle any of that sort of like the 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 stuff that comes with setting a game in Chicago right yeah, yeah. it handled all of it so poorly you're yeah. not wrong. And Watch Dogs 2, I feel like, is going to do the same thing with San Francisco. You're not wrong. I don't really get the sense... I don't get the sense at all that people are really, really pumped about this. You know, and this is this is, this is is just based on reaction during E3 to our live coverage of the event. You know, every single time we were pumping out to Twitter about Watch Dogs, the, the response... It wasn't even, you know, that sort of vociferous anger that you get from certain games where people be like, oh, first one sucked! Like, it wasn't Call of Duty's not, was, not a yeah, game. Yeah, perfect. It's- Infinite Warfare is, like, a perfect example. People people have very strong feelings about Infinite Warfare. If anybody says, like, oh, Call of Duty is done, look at the way people respond to information about, you know, Infinite Warfare. Whereas Watch Dogs 2... It's just silent. It's complete yeah, it's apathy. Ambivalence. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's nobody. Cares. It is the definition of, oh, is that on sale? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's out. Oh, Steam, Steam Summer right? Sale, right? Exactly. Like, oh, oh, hey, it's twenty bucks. All right. Yeah. Oh, sweet, that iconic baseball cap. Oh my god! Like, and it's and it sucks because you know that Ubisoft planned this game, like. 
based off the pre-order numbers of the first game because the first game sold immensely well. It was the number one IP yeah, that Ubisoft, then, new IP. But you know, then like the month after that game came out, nobody cared anymore. Yeah, because they yeah. they played it. Yeah, and uh, and I feel like that we're, we're seeing the results of that with Watch Dogs Two. Is just like. People are like, oh, that that first one that they got us so hyped about with those sweet graphics and the hacking, and then you know the the game actually turned out to be bad. And like, oh my god, the advertising that like I've been getting like emails from GameStop and seeing stuff pop up on my uh, on my uh, Xbox, and it's just like it looks like pop up ads that you would see on like a crappy torrent website. I don't know if that's intentional. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't is, think it is. Is, I, is it an aesthetic choice? Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I, don't th- I don't think that's them trying to like be like, yeah, let's make it seem like they're hackers and they're trying to trick you with display ads. I, like, yeah, no. There was an ad during, uh, it was like when they announced it the week before E3 and it was an ad on my Xbox One. And I showed, um, I think I tweeted the image, but I, I know I showed Anthony the image. And it was just a, a picture of like a Watch Dogs character and like in like the most boring, bold text it said, Win Xbox One gift cards. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is this? No, no. <laughs> this this looks like something like my parents would click on because they went to Yahoo. Like, oh my god. There's a dancing baby. Yeah. In the is that what you're saying? Yeah, like Bonsai like Buddy is back, y'all. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, that's my not hype. That's your not. Hype. That's my not. That's hype. the definitive. That's the definitive. Not and hype. you know, I'm 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 willing to be pleasantly surprised. I want to so, be surprised. I want it to be good. I don't want games to be bad. I just don't. I don't have a lot of hope for it. Th- this this is my not hype, and you guys both know I'm not not, not hyped about this because I won't shut up about it. Is uh, Paper Mario Color? Oh Tour. yeah, God, yeah. For the what is likely to be the final <sighs> Wii U exclusive. Yeah. Well, uh, other, yeah, yeah, Wii U exclusive. Yeah, I was going to say Zelda, yeah, but no, this, that's... This, it looks like it's going to be the final Wii U exclusive. There's nothing else on the horizon. Uh, Breath of the Wild is going to be, also be on the NX, but Paper Mario Color Splash literally... I, you know, I, I swear to God, it looks like the worst YouTube commenter truth. It is, it is this is the death of a franchise. <laughs> You've killed it. It, there's nothing left. Uh, if anybody has not heard about Paper Mario Color Splash, that wouldn't surprise me. Because I, I think Nintendo showed it for like maybe 10 minutes during their E3 stage con- uh, presentation. And as far as Nintendo is concerned these days, there is no such thing as the Wii U. There is, there is their future machine that plays their new Zelda. There's the NES Mini. There's Pokemon go there's the nintendo 3ds and then this other thing don't worry about it uh it is a new paper mario game but even less to do than sticker star you Uh, really hate sticker star i hate sticker star which is appropriate because it's terrible it's a bad game terrible game it's just an awful awful game and it is a, a further stripping away of the things that made Paper Mario good in the first place. Uh, If you guys haven't played Sticker Star, Color Splash continues that game's hook, which is it puts you into very, very small contained areas. You still get into turn-based fights, 
that you have to use collectible items. In Sticker Star, this was infuriating because it was basically like, all right, I need to go to this one screen, pull a flower sticker off the wall, go fight these Goombas, and that's it. There's no story to go with it. It's just repetitious action over and over again, very few characters to meet along the way. Color Splash is that, but now you have to mix the colors. Oh. It's paint instead of stickers, so you have to mix the paints. Collect the paints and then mix the paints. And then go meet the Toads, because the only characters in the game that you meet are Toads. That doesn't necessarily bother me. It it bothers me insofar as when you see all the screens, it's only that, it's slight variations on that one Paper Mario Toad sprite. Oh. It's, it's, It's just that, there's some yellow ones, and they run a game show. The, the bizarre freakish cast of the old Paper Marios, like on N64 and the Thousand Year Door on GameCube, where you meet a pro-wrestling eagle! It's awesome! <laughs> you, you meet a bob who is a, a sea captain and has a rotating sea captain's wheel on his back and an old mustache and you have to explore a haunted island. It's not, nope, no story. No story, you just have to collect the paints. And then mix and the then paints. You, See, that's that's the, the problem paints. I have. Like, okay, you want to make everybody toads, that's fine. You want to mix paints, that actually sounds cute to me. But the whole thing about the entire RPG line, whether it's Mario and Luigi or, or Paper Mario, the story's really neat. It's funny. Yeah. It's great. So if you take that away, it's like, okay, yeah, the mechanics can be fun, but let me, let me just tell you about Paper Jam for a second. Paper Jam has a lot going for it, but then it gets these ideas like you have to fight papercraft constructions. Like you make a giant papercraft Mario, and then you have to fight a giant papercraft Goomba. Which, hey, it's paper, and get it? Because you're making... Pa- it's the stupidest... <laughs> most unfun mechanic and it ha- and you have to do it at regular intervals and that's it's just it like what you have been saying anthony and you, and you bring up so well in your article uh <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned that this is all because of shigeru Miyamoto yeah. and his need to take a goddamn nap he, he really really does take, a nap. take a nap he does old man <laughs> uh it's a mechanic for the sake of a mechanic. Yeah. It's it's not any... No thought was really like, is this going to make the, the gameplay experience better? It's the Star Fox Zero of Paper Mario RPGs. Right. <sighs> yeah, and, and that is... That is... You know, we, we're, we're talking about Shigeru Miyamoto. There's a, a feature on Games Radar right now called Shigeru Miyamoto takes, Needs to Take a Nap. Uh, and it is about the fact that Shigeru Miyamoto has been making some very, very ill-advised gameplay decisions about Nintendo's core franchises for the past ten years. And, you know, we're talking about the, the sort of downfall of the Paper Mario series and, and this being substantiated in Sticker Star and Color Splash and Paper Jam. And this is directly because of him. If you go and read the Iwata Asks interview for Paper Mario Sticker Star... the producer is just like, well, Miyamoto came to us and said, how much of the story can we take out? 
and only use characters that appear in Super Mario World. Don't create any new characters. No new characters. Less, less story. And the woman, who is the lead director on Color Splash, sat on stage at E3 and said, Oh, well, uh, we already have Mario and Luigi, uh, according to our producer, Miyamoto, and that can be a story game. We don't need uh, any story in Paper Mario. And, and what are you talking that doesn't, about? That doesn't even make any sense. It's not like they compete with each other. No. Like, if you enjoy one, you enjoy the other. It's, it's infuriating. Well, yeah, and and like, the, like, yeah, because the idea was that, like, Mario and Luigi was the handheld game, and Paper yeah, Mario right. was the console game. Right. They're similar, yes. but they're different enough, and they're on different platforms, so it was like, you're kind of getting two great things in two different places. Like, the problem was not that Paper Mario had story. <laughs> I want to also say, if anybody is, like, gearing up to... Be like, well, I need to make an addendum to my hate letter to Susan for saying The Last Guardian sucks. Now, this isn't about nostalgia. I didn't even play The Thousand Year Door until 2015. I only just played this game for the first time last year. And it's really good. I loved it. It's really good. And it's... Oh, God, it holds up so well. It holds up so well. (sighs) All right. Forget that. Forget Paper Mario. Hype. Susan, I'm going to join you in the entertainment realm because my, my, my official hype answer for video games is also Final Fantasy XV. I can't believe it's finally coming out. That's banana pants. It's a real game. Soon. It's, it's a real, it doesn't make any sense that that's a real game, and I can't wait. Uh, my hype is a movie that is coming out next month in Japan called Shin Godzilla. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I saw You showed me the trailer for that one, right? Shin Wait. What? Shin Godzilla. It's just, uh, yeah, that's, well, that's what they're going to end up calling it here. Okay. There, it's just Godzilla, uh, is my understanding. It's the first Godzilla movie to be made in Japan in 12 years. It has nothing to do with whatever that Brian Cranston meets the Cloverfield monster movie that came out in 2014 here, which is fine, but oh my god, it's just the most boring movie I think I've ever seen. Like, at the end of it, it, you spend two hours following around the guy that played Kick-Ass and, and Quicksilver, and, and then eventually a CG Godzilla shows up, and, that, and that's fine. This is a Godzilla movie where there is a guy in a giant rubber suit, and instead of it looking ridiculous, it looks really cool and really... Yeah, so Cloverfield and the 2014 Godzilla... And uh, the guy that directed it, Gareth Edwards, who's also doing uh, Rogue One, the Star Wars spinoff, he made a movie called Monsters that tried to do the same thing, where it's trying to capture the vibe of what it would actually be like to be in a place where some enormous 300-foot-tall beast is just lumbering through civilization. Terrible movie. Monsters is unwatchable. You watch Monsters, it's literally a rich... Couple rich college girl whining for two hours about her parents, and then at the end they go to Texas and two space octopuses fuck. That is okay, all that's... that happens in <laughs> monsters. You're not wrong. You're not. You're, okay, here's my problem with that movie. I think visually, first of all, it's incredible. It is. It's great. Yeah, like it the is. bit with the space octopuses fucking is fantastic. <laughs> it really is. But 
It's okay. So it's a love story set in a uh, a place full of monsters, but it doesn't have yeah. enough romance or enough monsters. So it ends up being not kind yet. of neither. neither. Have you seen the second one? Oh hell no! Which is no. It, it's not. My yeah, life it's is not only so long, dude. I mean, Susan, if you watch, it, have you watched this this trailer for the new? I have Godzilla not. That I you no, you did oh, not send me this. Hard. So it like it's almost. Like, they've seen all of these modern monster movies for the past ten years and just went in the opposite direction aesthetically. All of it takes place in daylight. Oh, God. It's all just midday. And it, rather than these shaky cam close-ups of buildings falling and Brian Cranston being like, You're lying about something! <laughs> it, it is all wide shots of Godzilla... Just wrecking like, house. Just wrecking house. And it's so upsetting. <laughs> And the trailer, like, and the trailer is soundless, like, except yeah. for this, like, haunting aria playing over all of it. It's real good. Yeah. It's real it looks good. Like, it, it looks like magic. It looks like magic. It is. If anybody out there is a fan of '90s anime, uh, the guy who is directing this movie uh, is Hideki Anno, and Hideki Anno is the guy that created Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh wow. Yeah, that's what he's okay. Uh, but honestly, time. what are the odds we have anime fans in the audience? I mean, I can't. I can't imagine. On. They're all busy at the prom. <laughs> what? It's a mighty number nine reference, oh, everybody. Okay. Yeah, make, it's a mighty uh, number. Please nine. add that to your emails. <laughs> please just add that to your emails. So yeah, everybody, if you have things, we actually do want you to write in. If there is anything that you are hyped about, that you are not hyped about, that you are maybe hyped about. Uh, we will do this segment again if you want to hear it, and you can hit us up on Twitter. It's just at GamesRadar. Uh, it's one word. There are no spaces because Twitter doesn't do spaces. Uh, Susan, yeah. you've been playing a game that you have been trying to beat for two years. Yes. And you are almost <laughs> I am. at the end I'm of it. I am. I'm almost at the end. I'm very excited. It's Persona Q, uh, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's a mashup of uh, mechanics from the Persona series and the Atrian Odyssey series. So it's got uh, characters and Persona collecting from Persona and then the uh, defined dungeons of uh, Atrian Odyssey and you have to draw your map as you go and there's uh, unbeatable enemies and stuff like that. And the game is freaking massive. I've been playing now for about 95 hours. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's just it's just long. It's it's long. It's and it's hard. <laughs> Phrasing, uh, <laughs> which is which is why it's taken me this long to get to this point. Um, and it's got puzzles in it, environmental puzzles. You have to figure out how to maneuver. There's there's some unbeatable and well they're they're unbeatable until you're way over leveled. Uh, so the the object of getting past these enemies, you're not supposed to fight them. You're supposed to figure out how to manipulate your environment. Uh, and them to get around them. That's part of the puzzle of the game. And I, I just got stuck. And I was like, yeah. I'm putting this away for a while. Because yeah. cause sadness. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm not really jazzed about any of the games out right now. So I picked it back up. And, uh, and now I am in the final tower. And I'm very excited about it. And also, uh, I get a lot of people who ask me about uh, video games to play that help with anxiety. 
because one of the things about anxiety is uh, your brain gets stuck in loops. Mm. You'll just, you know, you, you might be repeating the same phrase over and over again. You might be replaying the same scene over and over again. You, your brain just gets stuck in these loops. It's just a, a thing that anxiety does to you. And uh, Persona Q is one of the games I recommend to people because the uh, amount of detail you can put into the map drawing uh, lets your brain focus on something mm. that has no, it doesn't matter. Like, pfft, it's a, like, does it really matter what color you decide to make the little power spot? No, of course not. But it's yellow in the game, so of course you make it yellow on the map, because if you don't, you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, with all the craziness in the world, I found myself needing something like that, and uh, that's another reason why I've, I've turned back to this game. And it's so good! I got to where you are now, yes which is the citadel clock tower the, it's the clock tower the clock the clock tower yes. that awaits at the end of everything yeah. and the funny thing is is I, I will say i had to stop at that point because it was creating anxiety <laughs> for me and there there is that type of game when there is a level of grinding yeah. and repetition in, in all different types of games, that when I run into that wall, it stresses me out so much that I have to be like, nope, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. It's why I will never play Civ again. Oh. I, will, I will never, ever, I don't care how good Civ 6 or 7 or whatever they're making a billion years from now is, I will never do it again. Because at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I can play this casually. Oh, this is gonna be fun. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet. Gandhi just a couple, just a couple turns. Just a couple That'd turns, and then I wake up a month later, <laughs> and yeah. I don't know where I am. I've sold all of my possessions. I'm living in a Motel Six, and still playing on my laptop. Uh, yeah, I, I had to quit. I had to quit Persona Q in a real way. I hope. That they continue, like I, I want the experimentation with the Persona series to continue. Like I want to see more things like Persona Q and Dancing mm-hmm. All Night and Arena because you know rather than diluting what I think makes that world special, I feel like it, it just sort of enhances the main story. Right. You know, it doesn't feel exploitative. I agree. You know. And I love, I, I love, like, I'm t- I tend not to be into the chibi art style mm-hmm. when it shows up where it's like, oh, it's blobby versions of your favorite characters. They're pretty much just a head and nubs. Uh, unless it's World of Final Fantasy, in which case I'm way on board because there are human-shaped people there, too, and it makes no sense. I don't know what's uh, happening in that game, but I want it. I have no I want it in my life. Yeah. It looks like Terry Gilliam was given the reins to a Kingdom Hearts game, and this is what burst out of his yes. mouth. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. But yeah, I wrong. actually, I do, I like that blobby look in Persona Q. Yeah, and where's it well? Per- it does, yeah. yeah. The Scooby-Doo factor yes. that's going on in Persona Q is really, really charming. Yes. And that's a really good way of putting it, the Scooby-Doo factor. If, if anybody is out there wondering if they should play Persona Q, you can actually get the totally sweet limited edition of it still, which comes with little tarot cards and stickers of the little anime blob characters. 
uh, I think it was like twenty dollars on. Amazon oh my god! A few really? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's a freaking steal. Yeah, it is. I mean, hello, ninety-five uh, hours of play. I mean, come on. N- ninety-five billion hours of awesome trudging through maps that are deeply. It's the No Man's Sky of JRPGs. Well, like it's the <laughs> no. Here's the thing. like. Okay, so here's what happened, and there's an optional boss fight that I did the other night. You you can totally skip this. Yeah. And the way I normally do, the way I normally play uh, RPGs with that are party based, like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or anything like that, is I find my core crew, and I ignore everybody else. Yep. Like so, I had people like other people I could bring into battle are like level two, and I'm up here at like level seventy five because I always just take the same people, and I give them all the best gear, and and that's and I just bull my way through things, right? Like I don't worry about you know, is this the best party build for the, you know, maybe you should use this person for buffs and this person. No, I don't do that. I just throw everything in the world <laughs> at the monsters and, and just that, and I, that's how I play. And I, I wish I could do that. Uh, yeah. And that was not working with this no. particular uh, boss. I was total party wipe just over and over and over again. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, wait, what if I, and I sat and thought about if I bring this character who can do this and then I swap personas with this and I actually sketched out turn by turn what I was going to do. And because I attacked it like a puzzle because I knew I could beat it if I just had the right sequence of events. It wasn't that I was underpowered. It was just that I was attacking the problem wrong. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. And I find, you know, I finally beat it. And I had never really played the game that way before, and it was just an entirely new experience for me. Loved it. I'm like, oh, that's why people are min-maxing and all that crap. I get it. Are you going to play RPGs like that from now on? Are you going to, like, replicate that experience? Or is this just, like, a Persona Q special I think, well, one of, the, one of the reasons I was able to do that is because I've been... I've played so much Persona. Like, I, I play, you know, I beat three, I beat four twice, uh, and now I'm sure. sure Q. I know the stats really well. I know what the Personas can do. I know how the mechanics work and how they stack and all that because I've been learning the systems for however many years at this point. Hmm. So I probably won't do that with other RPGs uh, because I don't, I just don't know them nearly as well. The only other RPG world that I know as well would be Elder Scrolls, and that's not a party-based mm. system. Uh, so, I have been spending time on my 3DS as well. That is what I've been doing this week. And I've been playing a game that is, in a lot of ways, the opposite of Persona mm. Q, but inspires the same level of weird obsession in my brain. I'm into it. When it, when it comes to being completionist about it, I've been playing... Uh, Kirby Robobot, which is the new Kirby platformer, and it, it's Hal has Hal Laboratory has like a cycle where they do the experimental Kirby game, like Canvas Curse or Mass Attack, and then they go back a couple years later and they do just the bog standard. Here's Kirby. He goes into a level. He eats dudes, <laughs> walks from left to right, and spits those dudes at other dudes. And go play it, and, and it's the fun. end, uh, and the end, 
And sometimes people think that's really boring. I think that they have an amazing track record over the past decade for getting these games really, really right. The premise this time is Kirby's, like, sitting around eating a bowl of curry and, and fruits and Meta Knight's flying around in his ship and then some garbage people show up who are literally garbage people. They're, they're sort of Kirby's version of the Borg. Okay. And it's like an evil, technologically-based corporation that goes around to perfecting societies. And by mechanizing okay, them. So it really is like the Borg. It is literally like the Borg. And Kirby's entire planet gets sort of mecked up. And Kirby has to do what it does, which is go from left to right, eating dudes and spitting them at other dudes to stop it from happening. And occasionally, he gets his own... Gundam. Like, he gets a Kirby <laughs> Gundam to crawl inside and pilot around and punch things. It's awesome! <laughs> it uh, honestly, great. you I, had me at Kirby Gundam. I mean... Right, yeah? And it's shaped like his head! He gets into a Gundam is. of his own head, and it's it's beautiful. So how does that, uh, like, how does that change how the game plays? Is it just, like, a bigger version of Kirby? He sucks stuff in and spits it out? Or does, so like, is it different? It's, it's like what you would expect for this type of game. You only get the mech every now and again. I would say once every other level, it will pop the mech in. And you find it in specific parts of the level, and then you can only use it probably for the duration of the level. And they, they design puzzles around mm. it. And so it's, it's like, oh, uh, in order to get through this whole area where there are giant swinging logs trying to crush Kirby... And they actually use the 3D effect on the 3DS really nicely. If you get hit by something swinging to the screen, Kirby gets slammed against the screen like he's popping out at you. And it's it's kind of surprising. You forget that the 3DS can be really impressive with that stuff. Uh, but you can get the robot and then you will plow through and be able to destroy all those things. Or you get the robot and you find one of the electricity monsters and the robot can absorb powers just like Kirby can. And so then you'll find electrical wires, and you need to activate a door to get through, and you'll need to shock it with the, ro the, the mech's electricity powers, then run to the end of the stage before the spark travels through the wires, moving giant blocks that only the mech can lift to keep the spark going through wires everywhere. And it's, it, that's how it works. It'll give it to you for a little while. And then in the end, of course, at the very end of the game, uh, Kirby fights a giant spaceship the size of a planet because Kirby eats his robot and then he eats Meta Knight's spaceship and becomes a planet-sized mech himself. Oh my god. <laughs> it's amazing. That sounds like the best thing. I have to get it's, this game. It's great. It's so good. I will say I have the same problem with this that I have with every Kirby game pretty much since 1994 when they started being like, hey, we should instead of just having linear levels, why don't we have a set number of secrets that you need to find in every level? That's very Kirby these get days. To 100%. Yeah. It's, that's, that's Kirby. And so in every stage, there are three cubes, these three mechanized cubes that you need to find... To, you need to collect a certain number of them to even access the boss of each world. You know, it's broken. It's like six levels per small contained world, and then you go on to the next world. 
Uh, and each world is one leg of the giant planet-sized mech ship that's converting Kirby's world. It's cool. Uh, I can't play those games and be comfortable until I get Well, them. obviously. Yeah. Right? Like, and, like, to the point where it's like, oh, God, I can't... Like, if you get to the end of a level, it's like I have to restart the whole thing. Yep. I didn't fight everything. I can't leave yep. until I find yep. everything. Uh, I will say this one is better balanced in terms of finding all that crap than Return to Dreamland for the Wii, which was back in 2010, and Triple Deluxe, the first 3DS games. Those are the two most recent of the straight-up Kirby platformers. And those, like, finding all the secrets in those levels is the most stressful damn thing in the entire world. This one, it's much more reasonable, and there's a great reward for finding all of them. You always unlock another level in each world. And it's not like Yoshi's, uh, you know, Yoshi's Island or Yoshi's Woolly World, where that extra level hates you and everyone you've ever oh known. Oh my god. That, honestly, <laughs> everything you're saying right now is part of why I stopped playing Woolly World. Because yeah. I, I felt like I was failing unless I found all of the hidden somethings. And, right. except for the yarn, the hidden somethings, largely worthless. They didn't do they didn't anything. Do anything, and you'd get yeah, you'd get to the end of a Yoshi level, and it's like you only got ninety seven out of a hundred percent. I hate that. Go to this... hell, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> go, go to hell, nerd. Like this is a tolerable version okay. of that, and I I loved it. I loved it. I I I you know, every single night over the past week and a half, I would just fire up Kirby Robobot, play a little bit of it. And every single time, I was like, oh, man, I'm getting everything I need out of this right now. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really... It's funny, we brought up news radio at the top of the podcast. The main corporate robot bad guy at the end of Kirby Robobot sort of looks like the dude who runs the radio station <laughs> in news radio, but evil and a robot. Uh, I know that from that description, it doesn't sound like he actually looks like him. He does. He does. I swear to God. Dave, you've been playing a totally weird Metroidvania. Yeah. It's out this week. Yes, and uh, reviews should be up on the site by the time you read this. I've been playing Headlander, Double Fine's latest game. Headlander? Headlanders. Headlanders. Headlander. The Headlander. Headlander Lamar? No. Wow. Kudos yeah. if you get that reference, listeners. <laughs> you are awesome. Um, yeah, I've been playing Headlander. It's great. I love it. Uh, okay, I hadn't even heard of this game. Oh, really? Until until the press release for it reached us a couple of weeks ago and said, "Oh, review copies are going to be available soon." Yeah, they announced it last year at. Hacks, I believe, like Adult Swim. Adult Swim's been making a really big push into like the PS4 and getting a lot of its games uh, from mm. the PC onto PS4. And then this was like one of the games they announced during that partnership. It was a, uh, um, it's. I'm gonna be reductive. It's a Metroidvania. Like I, th- I know people hate that word because it doesn't really mean anything. But I mean that's what it is. It's a it's a two dimensional side scrolling platforming game with exploration elements. Uh, also known as a Metroidvania, uh, because it's like Super Metroid uh, in, in that respect. You have a map, you explore it, you go back to old areas with new powers to unlock secrets that you weren't able to find before or access new areas because of those powers. That's Headlander. 
what makes Headlander different is that it is one it is based on like it's a retro futuristic kind of vibe like it looks like a sci-fi movie from the 1970s like everything's very analog everything's like there's lots of cassette tapes and um just like 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 com- giant computers but that have spools of tape running and blinking lights um there's shag carpeting everywhere uh, i love it robots will ask you what your sign I is i love it yeah, it's real cool. Uh, like it's like like lava lamps never went out of style. Well, in the whoa, year whoa, t- whoa, 20, whoa. 25XX. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> are you saying that you don't think lava lamps are in style, sir? No, I no, I love lava lamps. All right lamps, then. But, but Spencer's gifts. Spen- would yes, beg yes, skipper, sir. <laughs> no, lava lamps are great, but like th- this is a society that like didn't just see lava lamps as, like, a kitschy thing and, like, actually decide to use them as proper light fixtures for popular use. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it's it's that kind of vibe. And the basic story is is that you wake up on a, on a, on a derelict spaceship. You are the, the last remnant of humanity. You're ahead in a space helmet. And you don't know why you've been woken up, and you don't know why you're there, and there's this dude named Earl... Who's who's like? Hey, we're gonna get get you over to the to this uh, this gilded utopia, where um, it's like eons after this thing called the Ever War, where um, bad bad things happened and humanity downloaded their consciousness into a bunch of robot bodies, and everyone's living in like peaceful harmony except for the fact that like it's a it's a false utopia. Like the this computer named Methuselah controls everything. And so you as this head get sent over to the city to kind of figure out what's going on and, 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 and try and, and save uh, humans from this, this computer. And so the, what you do is you have a little vacuum suck thing on the bottom of your head. <laughs> and you use it to rip the heads off of various robots that you come across. So, like, you'll see a little robot puppy that you can use to access, like, a tiny access door. You rip his head off. The game calls it head landing. You headland <laughs> onto the dog, and then you can use that to go in. Or, like, you'll see security guards, and different security guards have different colors, and those colors correspond to security doors, as well as their overall strength. And so, like, if you have a blue security door, you can enter any blue security door and color under that on the Roy G. Biv scale. And uh, so you headline onto that, and then you can use that to solve puzzles and to shoot uh, enemies. And, you like, you'll um, unlock upgrades and stuff that'll give you shields and the ability to turn robots into sentries. And um, it's just... it's. It's got some issues. Like, uh, the combat is a little squiggly... Like, mm. you, you use the right analog stick to aim and the right trigger to shoot, and most of the time it's okay, but things can get a little hairy, especially near the end of the game when the room is just full of lasers, because lasers bounce off of walls. So, mm. um, so yeah, so you, you have to be, like, really careful with that, and, you like, you'll get the powers that help you um, eventually unlock that stuff that helps you out a lot, but, like, like combat in the later stages can be uh, a bit... 
of a problem and uh, the, the you know the backtracking which is kind of a part of Metroidvania games it's mostly self-contained so like the pace is really snappy but there's some parts where it just like th there's one part in particular where you have to navigate through a bunch of elevator shafts and so you have to go down the elevator shafts through a bunch of side passages to unlock the elevators then you have to use the elevators to go down and uh in order to use the elevators, you have to put your robot on the elevator, headland off of it, headland onto the elevator, move the elevator down, headland off of it. And it's just like the back and forth there can be a little bit much. But then like immediately after that is like the best part of the game. So Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like it it takes a lot to get used to, but once you get into the rhythm of it, yeah. That sounds really fun. Like that doesn't sound overly complex. That no. sounds Cool. And it does a lot with the... the con so, like, your, your robots can't jump, like, when you're headlanded onto a robot, but when you're not... When, when you're just flying around as a helmet, you can zip around and do whatever. But the thing is, is that you can't access doorways unless you either are on a robot and walk through it, or you use the robot's laser to shoot it open and, like, zip mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. So you can... Um, like, you, a lot of the game is figuring out, like, Okay, well, I need to get up here. How do I get up here using the robots that I have in my disposal? And eventually, like, sometimes that'll lead you down and around to find a higher color robot, which you can then bring back up. Uh, it's really cool. Like, it's, it's super stylish. Uh, it's got, you know, it's a double fine game, so it's a little rough in, in spots. But, um, I, like, honestly, I think it's, it's the best game that they've made since, since Psychonauts. Wow. Yeah. Since Psychonauts. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really get into Iron Brigade. Like, a lot of people really like that game, but I'm not a huge fan of Tower Defense games. I keep forgetting that it's called Iron Brigade. Yeah, it's not called French. French. Yeah. Um, uh, why did they have to change the name of it? I think that was, like, a rights... Like, there's a game, board game or something in the UK oh, that owns oh, the rights oh. to Trenched. That's so weird. So, this is... that. This is Greg Rice. This is his project at double fine and the last thing he did for them was trenched yeah you didn't dig trenched at all i, I just I, i'm thing. not i'm not a fan of tower defense games like yeah. I, i'm like it's cool for what it is i like again it's a game with like a really cool style the the like uh big mechs in world war ii and you're fighting television tubes like all of that's really cool i just yeah. i don't dig on tower defense games i never really have <laughs> Do you remember the last? You remember when tower defense games were a thing? Yeah, remember when tower defense <laughs> games were Warcraft three mods? Oh, much like yeah. Dota two, yeah. oh, which was also yeah. kind of a tower defense game, but like blown up. Yeah, <laughs> everything goes back to Warcraft three. So, um, Dave, we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast. We talked about it earlier. Uh, last week on the stream as well, when we played it, you reviewed it. Uh, we've covered it quite a bit, but a an RPG called I Am Setsuna came out this week. It sure did. <laughs> and, uh, it sure did. I, and I have to say, uh, if Shigeru Miyamoto is going to take that nap I recommended, and he's having some trouble getting to sleep, oh. I I would say that's not that's not a knock against it. I will say that I Am Setsuna is very uh, calming. It is a supperific that game. So uh, so yeah. So like you, you've been playing through it after me. Like, what do you yeah. think about it? Because I know I, like I, you like you were like we like this was this was it for uh, yeah, you. Like, you I, I was really pumped. Like, yeah, I was pumped because I love RPGs in in these sort of classic 
Squaresoft and Enix before they merged Mold. I love Chrono Trigger. Uh, I love Lunar. I love that era of RPG. And I Am Setsuna was, was looking to evoke classic RPGs. And I am enjoying playing it. I'm about five hours in, which I know is almost halfway, really. Uh, I... I enjoy it, but the whole inspired by classic RPGs thing is a little bit uh, misleading. Because it's not so much inspired by as it literally copies pieces of old RPGs wholesale. Like, one of the main characters, Susan, is just Auron from Final Fantasy X in a green coat. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, it's, it's not even a little... Like, he is a guy who was the guardian of a young magic woman who was going to be sacrificed for the protection of the larger world, and he carries a big sword in a big coat, keeps one arm over his shoulder, and has, like, one eye always closed. He doesn't have wraparound shades, though. Whoa, he well. doesn't have sunglasses, and his coat is green. <laughs> that is the difference between the two of them. Uh, when we were streaming the game, you... Rather than dungeons, there are just sort of areas that you have to pass through on your way to other places, a la Chrono Trigger. But the very first one you go to is a little forest between a town and a, sh and a shrine on the coast of this little island that you're on. And it is, not, it is literally the same layout as a forest from Chrono Ooh. Trigger. It's not like it. It is the exact same layout. And on the other side is this little coastal shrine, which is exactly where you meet Magus at the end of Chrono Trigger, or where you resurrect Chrono at the end of Chrono Trigger. Spoiler, everybody. Chrono dies for a little while. The game is 20 years old. <laughs> the statute of Don't limitations is up. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about Just it. Just add it to your emails. It's fine. Yeah. So... Uh, it, it is enjoyable to play. I really... Dave, I know it was a problem for you, the sort of, like, uh, the... the uh, monotony of its setting. Yeah, everything is this snowy landscape, and it's it. They're all of the music is solo piano. Yeah, and it's all delicate themes on a solo piano. Uh, but I I dig all that stuff, and the one thing I've been thinking while playing it the entire time is if you are trying to evoke something from the past or pay homage to a great work of the past even if you are going to flat out imitate it if you're just going to copy beats from it to to call back to that iconography and to get power from it you need to have a little bit more soul and that was something you got into in your review mm -hmm. uh and and i am setsuna is missing its soul and it's been weird playing this all week. Yes. <laughs> while also watching a show that does the exact same thing. And Stranger Things, much like I Am Setsuna, literally copies things from its inspiration. Uh, Stranger Things is a new science fiction show on Netflix that calls back to both the movies of Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment and his shows like uh, Amazing Stories and the horror films and action films of John Carpenter. So much so that the first episode literally copies shots from E.T. 
and the thing and even has a poster of the thing in the background and like the the title the 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 title theme is very like john carpenterian the font like, is the halloween font yeah and it's like, the same font for halloween and the like the the load like the droning synth arpeggios playing over it like it's i love it i'm only one aw- episode in but like i'm already i'm in but it's awesome but it's it like it even when it's just flat out copying the things it's aspiring to emulate it works yeah susan you finished i did it, right? yes so what? Why does Stranger Things okay. work? Okay, so here's why Stranger Things work. Because uh, a lot of uh, I I know people are saying that it banks on nostalgia. That is not true. It, it is not. It doesn't have to be set in the '80s uh, for any particular reason, except that, as is true of many Stephen King adventures, uh, it the focal point of the entire adventure are four 12-year-old kids. And they need to be the kind of innocent that only existed Mm. before cable television and the internet were omnipresent. Like, kids now, a 12-year-old now, knows a hell of a lot more and is exposed to a lot more than a 12-year-old did Mm. in 1983. Mm -hmm. Like, in 1983, kids were kids longer because they weren't reading newspapers and they, you know, they weren't sitting and watching the evening news with their parents. So, you know, they were concerned about music and what's happening at school and playing Dungeons and Dragons and and all that. They were just kids longer because they didn't have access to stuff. And you need that in this show. And it works because it has, it cares about the people. It treats its people as people, not tropes. They're not plot movers. They're not, uh, you know, the, the mom, although they, okay, single mom struggling to keep her family together and kind of not doing a great job about it. Okay, yeah, that's a trope, but it's also a very real person, uh, especially mm. in the early 80s when divorce was becoming more acceptable. That, that, that was very real. All the characters feel very, very real. That town feels completely real. The way everybody talks to each other and reacts to each other feels really real. The adults aren't stupid, clueless. Ugh. They're except for in the way that parents are clueless about their kids, you know? And they're clueless about the kids because their kids lie to them. Uh, you know, and the, the kids aren't small adults. They act like kids, you know? And the teacher acts like a teacher. And everybody mm. acts the way they're supposed to in the real world instead of being characters driving a narrative. And that's what makes the show work is that it just feels genuine top to bottom despite dealing with some pretty fantastic events. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am halfway yes. through. I haven't, I haven't gotten all the way to the end like you, Susan, and you know, I'm a little bit past the beginning uh, where you are, Dave. But every character that you meet in that first episode just continues to grow and be interesting. Right. That's so cool because they're already like, the, like right out of the gate. I'm like, okay, I'm like. I'm 100% on board with this. Like, no, the only thing that I, I think feels a little cheap are the special effects, and I think that's kind of a, a kind of a standard of Netflix shows, yeah. like the weird green screening and like some of it just looks a little off. It will get better. Okay, I there will is, say there is uh, one main effect that never really gets better. Yeah, there is one main effect that is not great. Uh, and actually, Susan, I did not realize this at first. 
but that effect that you were talking yeah. about is uh, not totally CG. Oh, uh, oh, you can tell, honey. You know, yeah. you can, yes. Yeah. Some of that is some of that is practical. You can tell. And and I wonder if that is part of the aesthetic that they were going for, where they were like, let's have a practical I effect. I wonder. And because because that is very much of the era that they're trying to nail, and Jim Henson they mm. ate. <laughs> <laughs> just say that <laughs> yeah I, I, like let me say like this is i i am enjoying this tv show more than any other piece of television that i have seen in in quite a while now i i'm not a big uh tv guy like i watch like the new netflix shows when they come out but you know like things like i i don't care about game of thrones i'm not the game of thrones guy uh, and like that's not to disparage people that are like if if you guys like uh, X-rated Willow, that's up to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, keep banging that drum. Oh my god! I'm, keep, I'm basically keep waiting just... for Susa to reach through the internet and to hit me just... in the face. <laughs> Stop it! But yeah, yeah, I I like the 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 effect is is not not the best, but I admire it all the same. Uh, man, I. Susan, they're talking about the fact that there might be a second season. Is the end of the season like should what are people? Yes. What should people be expecting? Is there? Is it a cliffhanger? Is it a? They, is it a second season setup? Yes. Yes. All right. I'm. I'm not. That's, I'm not yeah, going to. That's not spoiling anything. It, no. Yeah. They. They definitely leave the door open for a second season. Absolutely. Um. And the only other thing I want to say is a lot of people have asked me, if you didn't grow up in the 1980s, it, will this show still appeal? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, my, my wife does not have any, like, she, she's nostalgic for things like The Princess Bride. Mm. Like, she grew up with that. But sort of, you know, in our circles... They're like everybody. Everybody freaking like obsessed with Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and Gremlins and like all of the and John Carpenter and all of the things that Stranger Things is pulling mm-hmm. from. And she a is has never been exposed to most of that. She's never seen Gremlins. She's never even seen Back to the Future. Like these are not part of her cultural experience. She was born in 1981. Mm. It's just not not th- something that she was exposed okay. to. Uh, she loves this mm, show. Mm-hmm. She is like as obsessed with it as I am, um, and yeah. So like, it definitely translates to people that don't have that well of referential material in their brain. Yeah, it's in their brain it's just band. a setting. It's like yeah. like yeah. a lot of your enjoyment of uh, Gone Home really required you to give a shit about the nineties. Boy, did it. <laughs> and, and if you don't... Boy, did it. That, I mean, it drastically impacted your enjoyment of it. This is, is just mm-hmm. a setting, much like, you know, the movie Argo takes place in the 70s. It's just a setting. Yeah, it's a, it's a period piece. It's a period piece, piece it's, yeah. Uh, the, it's, it's, like, I guess you could say, like, it, it's not like Scott Pilgrim, where, like, Scott Pilgrim, the whole movie is, like, if you don't get these references, you won't get this Correct. Hmm. Whereas this movie is, like... It's a movie set in the 80s. If you know the references, you will enjoy yeah. it. And, 
in a different way. I don't want to say more, but you will enjoy it in a different way, but it stands alone on its own yeah. as just a good story set in the 80s. I just want to put it out there. There's a scene where uh, Mike is staying home from school. He's telling his mom that he's staying home from school. I had those sheets. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Shit. I'm, like, well, I'm like, oh, my That's... God, I had those sheets. And then there, there's uh, another scene. Uh, there's wallpaper. It's like kind of like a, a Americana wallpaper. There's like a, a bald eagle and stuff. Had that wallpaper in, in my house. <laughs> Susan, I this is this isn't spoiling anything for people that haven't watched it or you, Dave. But how many times did you find yourself saying "Get it together, Lucas," <laughs> while watching Stranger Things? <laughs> Lucas, shut up! Get it together. Get on he's, board. Be a he's team the player, voice buddy. Of reason. What are you talking about? He's the, He's the voice of being a little bitch. <laughs> That's what he's the voice Shit. of. Shots fired. Jeez. Get it together, Lucas. You little bitch. <laughs> oh, okay, you can you can send uh, letters to Anthony. <laughs> Just all for of calling them. a small child a bitch. You That's can... a... <laughs> well, no. When we're watching it, I'm constantly blaming every bad thing that happens in the show on the three-year-old girl. In oh, the yeah, Holly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Baby yeah, Holly. Baby Holly. And, like, every single time Holly's on yep. screen, I'm just like, get it together, Holly. <laughs> get it together. And my wife will be like, what is wrong with you? I'll be like, Holly's what's wrong with me. <sighs> Damn it. God. Walking into that room like nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> Damn it, Holly. Get it together. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We are going to be back next week cursing out children again. <laughs> because that's how we do on Radio Radar. Uh, if you are if you are interested in all of the things that we have talked about, uh, Dave Houghton has a wonderful long-form review of Stranger Things on Games Radar right now. Dave's reviews of... Uh, Dave, our staff Roberts. Staff Roberts. Dave. Uh, Staff Roberts' uh, reviews of Headlander and I Am Setsuna are also up and available for you to check out if you want to know why Shigeru Miyamoto needs a nap. Uh, You can go to Games Radar and read about that. If you're also curious about Headlander and you're listening to this on Monday, we're going to have the director on our stream at twitch.tv slash gamesradar on Tuesday afternoon. So you can come and you can talk to him and be like, dude, what is with you and the heads? man and uh, uh and if you if you're listening to this after we'll have an archive up so you can watch yeah. it later you, you can watch the whole shebang and yeah if there's anything you want to hear on this show let us know reach out to us uh, on twitter it's uh at games radar we read that biz and we like you thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next bye week. everybody bye